0: And now, the group you've all been waiting for, the Lovers of Five!
1: Hi, I'm David.
2: And I'd like to tell you about my favorite number, which is the number five. And the number five is my favorite number because it has one straight line here. And then it has a round line
0: on the bottom here. And then it has another line on the top. I love singing about the number five. Give me five. I ah, Give me five. Give me, give me five. Give me one, two, three, four. Give me five. Give, give, me, ah, give, give me five. Give me one, two, three, four. But if you love me more, give me five.
2: Yes, indeed. Give me five. Hello, everyone. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you into another edition of the five by five here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. The chairshot.com. Always use your head. And Excited about today's edition of the 5x5 because for the first time ever, I get my co-host from Chair Shot Radio, Hockey Talk, Slash Musical Chairs, my co-host on Bandwagon Nerds, basically the man I always podcast with, finally jumping on to do an edition of the 5x5 because the, the original incarnation of this came about on days when Dave couldn't record but I could. And I started bringing other people in to do these episodes, and so Dave never got to do them. And so welcome to your first 5x5, five five. David Ungar. How you doing?
1: That was a great introduction, man. What was that? That, that was I,
2: awesome. I can't even take credit for it. PC Tunney gave me that, said that they used to play it with, uh, he and DPP used to play it on, on their old podcast when they... Used to do top five lists a million years ago, and it was just too good. Like he's played it for me, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's." I, I feel like I kind of want that, and he's like, "Oh, you can use it. Nobody's gonna know. Nobody like because <laughs> those episodes were apparently so old that they're lost to the ether. So it just makes a lot of sense.
1: It had a very whitish feel to it. Though. I know. But right. Otherwise, it's uh, it's good to be here for the five by five, especially for this topic, which is uh. Right down the nerd alley, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, we are really diving into our bandwagon nerds' roots. And what I think is hilarious is you, uh, full disclosure, folks, we're doing the best and worst comic book movies of all time. And Dave couldn't have picked a broader topic to 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 like get lead with. I mean, there is a plethora of options here. And if you know anything about Dave and I, if you listen to Bandwagon Nerds, you know that the both of us could talk for an infinite amount of time on comic book films. Now, this is only a 45 to 50 minute podcast in general, so we're not going to go that in depth, but we, uh, we will be following you know our usual rules. We're going to go best first, worst second, uh, and, and we're going to have a lot of fun talking about, frankly, a lot of the movies that, that sort of validate our youth. Uh, if I, if I were to, if I were to describe it, because comic books were a big part of my life growing up and I, and I know they were for you too, Dave, they were, they really were a medium that spoke to us and seeing them on the big screen has always been important to us, both the good and the bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, comics are still a big part, uh, issues with comicsology notwithstanding, still a big part of, uh, my reading material in my life. So, and of. Of course, you know, since what for damn near thirty years. Yeah. There's been a lot of really good comic book movies and a lot of really bad ones, too.
2: Cool. And it makes for fertile said. Yeah. And it makes for fertile ground for a podcast. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna take our first commercial break. And when we come back, we will get right to it with our best comic book movies. You are listening to the five by five on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following.
0: Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code
1: CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net.
2: All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the 5x5. As I mentioned before, got David Ungar here with me my co-host on Bandwagon Nerds and Chair Shot Radio Hockey Talk. We're going to do our five best and worst comic book movies of all time. Folks, as a reminder of how we do these lists, first and foremost, they're our lists. So don't be running through the interwebs and getting these definitive critical reviews of the lists and arguing with us as to what makes a good or bad movie. These are our lists and they're awful or awesome to us and that's okay. We will take turns doing our 54321s, rotisserie draft style. Dave will go first when we do our best, I will go first when we do our worst. And if we have something that is on our list, a mutual selection that is whoever has it higher, that's where we'll we'll put it up. So like if I lift off my number 4, and it's underdog, and Dave raises his hand because he's got underdog higher on his list, we would pause until it reaches Dave's spot on the list. The fun happenstance with uh, PC Tunney a couple times when we've done these SNL things is like he had my selection ranked one spot higher than I did, so we basically kept segueing into the number up. So it's always interesting. I don't know that that's going to happen here. This is a much more diverse list of of movies although i i'm sure there will be an overlap somewhere but sounds oh, sounds sure. good dave sounds
1: familiar right you've done this it 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 sounds very familiar from uh at least three different project shows holiday project shows uh, i i can't i've lost track of all the project shows we've done on bandwagon nerds but yeah the rules uh rules sound very familiar there you go excellent and so how uh, these lists
2: are always challenging to put together how was uh, how was putting these lists together for you?
1: Well, I'll say as a caveat to this whole thing, like you mentioned at the outset, these are our lists and I think that's important to to keep in mind. Um for me, the best superhero movies of all time, best comic book movies of all time, however you want to classify it. If you ask me this next month, it might be different. And if you ask me this in 2 months, it might be different. It's 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 a like my one and two have actually flip flop in the last, I don't know, a few weeks, I'd say, from where I've had them for years. Wow. Um, but it's just, it's just, it's a topic that, you know, we've gotten some really good movies over the last year, especially uh, a couple of ones. There's going to be some recency bias in here for sure. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it wasn't hard to put together. I think like getting it down to five was a little bit difficult to try and, do a couple different things that I wanted to get in there just for topic of conversation. But yeah, if ask me this next month, it'd probably be a different top five. So Excellent.
2: Well, I think you'll be surprised by what's not on my list, particularly in the best. So look forward to hearing those. And I'll go ahead and I'll hand it over to you for your number five.
1: Well, I said recency bias. My number five is The Batman. That just came out. Oh, oh, oh! Yep, there you go. Already <laughs> started. Already. My
2: my number five is nineties tastic, and it's actually a movie that came up in conversation. I think on bandwagon nerds at some point uh, a few uh, some time ago, and that is uh, the Crow. Brandon Lee. Uh, say what you what you will about the sequels, uh, the Crow. Was a phenomenal film. Uh, A simple film. Of revenge. Uh, Eric Draven. And his girlfriend. Brutally murdered on Devil's Night. By this gang. um, For the pure joy. Of doing it. And. A year later. uh, A crow appears over. Eric Draven's grave. Eric rises as. This. This we just call it the crow who exacts their revenge on this gang and you know it's it's unfortunately always going to be linked with the tragic death of brandon lee however it is easily um a great movie on its own and is one that i watch every halloween um, oddly enough so that's why it made my number five
1: yeah, it's a good call. I mean, I didn't think about it per se as a comic book movie, but yeah, I, I get where you're coming from with that. Sure. It's a good, it's a, It's one I need to go back and watch a few more times. I think I've seen it like once. It's, um, yeah, it's just yeah. one I need to probably watch a couple more times. But good call.
2: Thank you. I hope so. All right. So that brings it to my number four. My number four, probably not a surprise that I picked it, uh, but surprise that I ranked it over some other ones. Actually, no, this won't be a surprise. My number four is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Anybody who's ever listened to me talk about Spider-Man movies, Dave, what do I say about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse?
1: You generally say it's the best Spider-Man movie of all time.
2: I argue that it is the greatest Spider-Man movie of all time. I think of all the films that have ever been made, in keeping with the character and the ideals of the Spider-Man character, the portrayal of Miles Morales and him coming to grips with being a hero and coming into his own as a hero is beautifully done it's one of the few animated films that got me emotional when he's holding his uncle who is who is fatally wounded and his uncle looks at him and says you're the best of us miles it gets me every time i love it and You couple that with some of the most amazing animation, just rich, beautiful colors, stylistically, it's phenomenal. They combine all these different styles of animation based on the universes that these spider man characters come from. It's astounding how great it was. And it explains why it took so damn long to make. So Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was my number four.
1: It's, um... Like I'd put it right there. I think I've said this before on bandwagon nerds. Like I think Flashpoint Paradox is my favorite animated movie of uh, superhero movie of all time. And then right. into the Spider-Verse is probably number two for me. I- I'm genuinely excited to see what happens with the sequel because you know, as to who they're gonna introduce, what elements they're gonna introduce, and with the MCU expanding in weird ways right now, you know, who knows how it's going to tie into everything. So yeah, that's that's a great call. Um so my number four is I got to give love to as you know you know who my favorite superhero character of all time it's it's, it's not Henry Cavill but it's who he plays and uh, my number four is Superman two ah wow
2: we're gonna pull a tonny actually because it's my number three my number three is Superman two Neil before Zod Terrence Stamp yeah. is by far the the best. Of the, of the 1980s Christopher Reeves Superman movie villains. Like I put him above Lex Luthor and Gene. And that's nothing against Gene Hackman. But Terrence Stamp is amazing as this dictator that ruthlessly challenges Superman. And Christopher Reeves. And again you talk about a character being challenged by like their identity and who they are. And wanting a Life with Lois and you know Margo jo- Margot Kidder jokes aside Christopher we love Platt, you
1: Platt we love you Platt
2: <laughs> it's i it's damn near perfect in my opinion. I think Richard Donner got it right, and Superman 2 is really the apex of the 80s Superman films
1: yeah, and you think about there's two versions of this movie that both of them are are equally awesome and, and different but very fantastic in their own right. You know, you got the Donner cut, you got the theatrical cut, but right. I think it's all, it's all tied together by arguably the most iconic performance of anybody of a superhero character, Christopher Reeve's portrayal of a Superman and why Superman has struggled. You know, you see all the news that Warner brothers wants to reboot Superman and do all this different. It's because Christopher Reeve set such a high bar that no one has been able to come close to that. And between Superman, the first one, and this one, it's, uh, it's a performance that's just not been equaled any time since then. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. Terrence, Terrence Stamp's performance, uh, all three of the Kryptonians were really, right. really solid in this movie, and, and yeah, the whole notion of, of Superman wanting to have a normal life with Lois and what he has to give up to get that. And that diner scene, especially at the end, where after he gets his ass kicked, that he shows up when he's got his powers back, Right. It's one of the best scenes of all time.
2: Yeah, it's one of those where it just reminds you that. Uh, Kal-El is still a little human. Even, even okay. Superman wants a little get back. So that was my that was your number four, my number three. So it's your number three now.
1: So my number three, again, recency bias involved. It's uh, it's probably, in my opinion, the best Spider-Man movie of all time. And that's No Way Home. Did not um,
2: make my list at all.
1: I, I know it didn't make your list. I, I absolutely love this movie. It's one that, I, you know, I own it now. I got to go. I'm waiting for my kids to come over to watch it because they haven't seen it. They love Batman, but they haven't seen No Way Home. But I, I think, you know, you talked about Into the Spider-Verse being emotional. Um, this one's got a lot of emotion attached to a great story great. with some surprises that weren't surprises, but were still surprises when it actually came to fruition. Like you kind of knew it was coming. But to see it actually happen was like, oh, my God, Uh, the three Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, who got so much love and whatever they're going to do with that whole shit show with Morbius and Venom and that Spider-Verse notwithstanding. um, I just think, you know, the 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 closing parts of this movie where Peter's got to give up everything to save his friends, to sacrifice, you know, his relationship with MJ and, and all that stuff to save the multiverse and to save his friends from. Um, A terrible fate is is one of the most powerful scenes that I can recall seeing any recently. I absolutely love uh, Tom Holland, Toby Maguire, Andrew Garfield. They were all just great. Uh, the death of Aunt May is is, is devastating on, on multiple fronts. Um, lots of action, lots of humor, um, but it just it's different from the first two in this Marvel sort of Homecoming and Far From Home. And it just it had so much more emotion and and heart to it than the other ones that it really resonated loudly with me. So yeah, I got, I got no way home. It's my number three.
2: Well, I think no way home. It's not that it had more emotion or heart to it. It's that it's a different, like it's, it's Peter's world going from being sort of like innocent. yeah, as a character, like as Spider-Man is, is protected so much uh, by Tony Stark, by everyone around him until my number one movie and and, in that that turn from from then on as to who he is and what he's trying like what he's trying to do and to do right by others Uh, i will say you know i didn't see Aunt, aunt may dying like i did not see that coming at all uh when it happened i was like i remember the theater being like shit this is we're gonna do this like shit she's like they're killing off M.A. And even even on the rewatch, because I got it on Tuesday of when it came out and had it sitting at my doorstep when I got home from work and popped it in and rewatched it for three hours. And um, and, and still it was like, oh, man, I, it's just it's 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 gut wrenching. It's because she's always been a constant in Peter Parker's life, no matter the medium. And so to take her away was tremendous. Um, and was a it was a very courageous and gutsy decision. So I have no problem um, with it It, with it being on, on there. It's To me, it's the second or third best Spider-Man movie. It's not the first best. Obviously, I already said what mine was. So that brings it, what, to my number two?
1: I think so, yeah.
2: Speaking of recency bias, uh, my number two is my DC entry into this list, and that is The Batman. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, I've previously said on nerd reviews and in editions of Bandwagon Nerds that there's a 1A and 1B between The Batman and The Dark Knight, and I'm pretty sure The Dark Knight's going to be on your list, late Dave, just because I know you. I like The Batman better than The Dark Knight. Uh, I like the direction of the character. I feel like it is so much different and so much of a callback to the roots of the character when it was created in the 40s as a detective noir story. And that's really what, to me, it really set it in a different direction. Is it just had such a different feel for w- what we're used to seeing out of a Batman movie. And, and, and that's not to take anything away from the work that Christopher Nolan did. It's not to take any, anything away from the work that Tim Burton did. Now, the less said about those other two Batman movies that we know about, you know, the better. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I thought Robert Pattinson nailed it. I thought Paul Dano was amazing. I actually don't think there was a poor casting decision in that movie at all. Anywhere. It was just it was phenomenal. I love it. And it's different. And that's what really is exciting. And the fact that it's, you know, streaming on HBO Max, that's awesome. Like that people get to see got got have the opportunity to see it so soon after it was in theaters.
1: Yeah. Next week it comes out or whenever it's coming out. HBO max. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned one a and one B and um, I think that's really a, a good description of it because I mean, we'll do well, I mean, talk about segues. My number two is the dark Knight, So I sure. guess we can just talk about that as well. Um, but it's like, they're kind of it's it's two Batman movies kind of operating or, uh, you know, occupying the same time frame when you really think about it. You know, with with Batman Begins and that's Batman's first year. And then you look at where we are in the Dark Knight, which is probably year two or three of Batman's career. And then you look at where Pattinson is. Pattinson's Batman is clearly year two because they say it. And um it, it's it. But they're. The biggest difference, of course, is that you are focusing on the detective element of Batman in the Robert Pattinson version, and in the Dark Knight, it's it's really transcended by the performance of Heath Ledger as the Joker, and and that conflict between Christian Bale's Batman and and Heath Ledger and and everything that goes on with that um, is is really kind of what drives that forward. And there's just so many elements of the Dark Knight that just kind of get into your head after a while when you watch what's going on. And it and it's it's just one of those movies that ever you know, whenever I watch it, I pick up something different that I missed the first time that I just absolutely love. It's it's and I mean if there's a problem with the Dark Knight, it that it's kinda like Christopher Reeve. It set the bar so high that now all DC movies are trying to kind of emulate this dark, gritty sort of thing without realizing that Dark Knight didn't wasn't dark for the sake of being dark. It just kinda went in that direction because of the content you were dealing with. Whereas everything in the DCEU, they they kind of went in the wrong direction with that. But yeah, they're both tremendous movies. Uh, and, and to have a recent, a current Batman movie be mentioned in the same breath, even as the dark Knight uh, should tell you just how good of a movie the new one is. And, you know, stacking up, of course, with, with the, the dark Knight as well. But yeah, it's, it's it's my number two just I mean for a long time it was my number one because I just thought you know Heath Ledger's performance would never be top but I've recently changed that which I suspect we're about to get into
2: yeah I, I suspect we are too is it safe to assume I, I'm my my number one is it the same as yours is it is it the Avengers uh Infinity War slash Endgame yeah because I, I
1: it's it's yeah, it's exactly that the two movies to get because I really they don't think you could separate them.
2: They're two halves of a whole. There, there are a few movies out there that to me are were validating to me as a, as a person and the things that I love. And I think I've shared on Bandwagon Nerds. So let's see if you remember. There's one other film that I talk about where I feel like this being on a screen in in a full movie theater validated my ch- like validated my childhood and the things I loved. Do you remember what that is? Oh uh
1: no, not off the top re- of my head. It's either.
2: uh it's the return of the king. The Lord oh, okay. of the Rings trilogy, the return of the king. And yes. sitting in a theater at midnight in a packed theater at midnight and watching people be awestruck. Um that same moment Happened to me during Avengers Endgame when, when, when Captain America yells Avengers Assemble and they charge. And everybody is completely on board. Like logic within the movie, nobody cares. They have completely suspended disbelief. And to see a, a theater full of people who if you looked at them a decade even further you know two decades were you know infantilizing comic books as kid stuff and here we are now it's the most powerful comic book films are the most powerful movies period like they carry all the clout in studios they are the tent poles that Warner Brothers and now Disney rely on to make bank and to make some of those other movies that you look forward to. And they do. I, I haven't even I haven't you know I, I haven't even looked at the numbers for this year yet um, as, as you start to look at, at films that come out but when you look at the tops it's gonna be comic movies. The Batman made a shit ton of movie. Uh, we're recording this prior to Doctor Strange being released. Doctor Strange is gonna make a shit ton of money. It just is. It it just even even not so good ones you know do well like shang chi did really well and and studios count on that and and the avengers just has everything in game and infinity war just had everything it was a culmination of 20 years worth of films or 20 films 10 years worth of filmmaking Mm -hmm. and it was just it was everything i could have wanted out of a comic book movie It, it had it all and i i love it for it
1: Yeah, it's I mean, the two movies together like and I'm so glad you did it the way I did it, which was combining them because you really you really can't separate them anymore because the first half Infinity War is where everything goes wrong. And then Endgame is, you know, how are they going to set this right? Especially what Endgame did so well was in the first 15, 20 minutes, they kill off Thanos and the stones are gone. And you're like, what the hell? This thing's got two more hours to go. What are we going to do? And they way they build to that, the the whole notion of, of the of the quantum realm and going back and, and trying to get the stones so that they can set things right. And then, yeah, I mean, at, at the very end with the uh, Avengers Assemble, because they, you know, it's the big catch line that Cap does in the comics since day one, but they saved it until the very end of the entire saga for him to finally say it. And when he does say it, like you're saying it's probably the most powerful moment in the entire saga. and You can't replicate that. I mean, and, and, you know, Iron Man's death scene is just, I love you 3000 is just, it's one of those, it's like you talk about emotional stuff. It doesn't get more emotional than that. And, you know, and it set the stage for where we are at the MCU. But the great thing about the whole saga is the casting was spot on. No mistakes. They kept Almost, at what, 90% of everybody stayed together for the entire... everyone
2: stuck around, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, the Terrence Howard, Don Cheadle thing, that's really, and, and you know, Ed, Ed Norton and Mark Ruffalo, but other than that, they really didn't have too many substitutes and changes, and so when you, it's like Harry Potter, when you can keep that cast together for that amount of time, that's really something remarkable, and the payoff to this whole saga were two of the greatest movies back-to-back that I've ever seen, and like you said, it turned comic book movies into the juggernaut in hollywood that they are where even a shit movie like morbius can actually make some money because it's based on a comic book character
2: yeah let go of morbius let go move on it's okay jared leto it's in my
1: list By the way,
2: I, it's not it, what's that it's
1: not it's in not, my list in the back app
2: oh that's fair i haven't seen it so um and i don't plan on seeing it, seen it. Uh, so it's not going to make my list either uh but that is a nice segue is we're going to take our uh second commercial break uh and when we come back, we'll get into the worst. Before we get into our recorded commercials, though, it is my duty to remind you that if you like what we do here at the Chairshot.com and on the Chairshot Radio Network, head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash shot and invest in a Chairshot shirt. We have all kinds of great defi- designs out there for you, things like nefarious means shirts uh, that people really like to talk about these days. I'm wearing one myself currently. You can't see it on the uh, on because you can't see a podcast, obviously, but it's hashtag save tag team wrestling. My white whale of a goal in the world of professional wrestling is to get uh, tag team wrestling back to prominence. Yes, I know, AEW's trying hard. Good for them. All kinds of designs to choose from. They're only $19.99 a shirt, or if you're feeling fancy, want something that feels nice on your giblets, spend a few dollars more, get it soft style, your body will thank you again. We love putting out quality content for you each and every day and you can only you can best support us by heading over to prowrestlingtees.com forward/ slash the chairshot and investing in a chair shot shirt When we come back Dave and I will go through our worst comic book movies of all time you are listening to the 5x5 here on the chairshot radio network a part of the chairshot.com
0: Save big on brunch for Mom all in the Kroger app.
1: This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShop.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out,
0: TheChairShop.com.
2: All right, welcome back. We've given you the best of the best. It's now time to talk about the worst of the worst. That's right, our five worst comic book movies of all time this was uh easier for me to make actually dave i I rattled off five movies without really even blinking and and was like (laughs) done so i don't know if it was like that for you or if it was like "Ah, is this one really the worst like that that did not happen
1: for me i'll put it this way that these are the five worst that are the worst for me for almost like personal reasons, just personal sure. disappointment. I will say right off the bat, there are worse comic book movies than I've got on my list. No, objectively speaking, I can think of at least three or four that are worse, but these hit the list for me because of some personal disappointment or somebody who just absolutely, you know, stuff that just dropped the ball completely and just missed the mark completely. So like you said, it's our list. These are, these are, don't get me wrong, these are all very bad movies. Absolutely. Maybe not as bad as, maybe not as bad as somebody else might have. But for me, this is the bottom of the barrel for a variety of reasons. Fair enough. And with that introduction,
2: I'm going to kick us off with my number five worst movie. Back in the 90s, there was this little indie comic, not indie comic, it was an image comic, pole comic written by Todd McFarlane, called Spawn. And it did very, very well and generated a horrible movie titled Spawn. Here, Michael J. White is cast as Al Simmons and it's so unfair to him that he was cast in this role because the movie is terrible. First of all, everything looks like it's made out of rubber. Just everything looks really cheesy and rubbery. The Spawn suit looks rubbery. You got John Leguizamo, who is probably best cast as the clown demon, that, but he just looks stupid. Uh, he, again, man in a rubber suit. And then in what is probably the most egregious casting decision of all time and makes no sense at all, Martin Sheen as Jason Wynn. What the fuck are we doing when you've cast Martin Sheen, and he he's phoned it in, like is like you can see he's like a Martin Sheen. What am I doing in this stupid satanic comic book hero movie? It's really really bad. It missed all of the notes that you want out of a Spawn movie. And I do hope McFarland gets another chance. If you need, if you're a fan of Spawn, of uh, the comic Spawn, watch the uh, watch the series on HBO Max. It's available there to stream the uh, animated series, way better, way better, and much, 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 much more worthy of your time.
1: And I know Spawn is one of your favorite characters. I love that character. I wrote
2: a capstone paper in a heroes and heroism course in college about how great that character was as as a character that defies conventional heroism tropes. And they, the studio shit all over that. Uh, with that terrible, terrible movie that is Spawn.
1: Whew, you get no, uh, no argument from me, buddy. Yeah, no, no holding
2: back in the worst section, man. So tell us your number five worst <laughs> so fil- my, comic film.
1: My number five, uh, it's, it's funny because I had this, you know, one of my best superhero movies of all time is the Superman movie, basically Superman 2. Number five for me is the worst Superman movie of all time, and that's Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. This is just absolute (laughs) trash, man. And it's just, it's so, the special effects are so bad. The villain is just dumb. It's like, what did Lex Luthor kind of clone some Superman thing who only responds to sunlight? So his weakness is that you just got to, you know, close the blinds and he just kind of fades away into nothing. Um, The notion of Superman ridding the world of nuclear weapons is just, it's noble, but just naive to the max. Like Superman would... It's just not what he would do. You know, that's the sort of thing. And and this whole nuclear deterrent deterrent at a time when they were trying to actually go in that direction, it's just, I mean, like Superman 3 wasn't very good either, but at least there's some redeeming qualities about it. You can't redeem anything about this. And this this is Christopher Reeve's legacy ends with this movie, and it's just like, ugh, it's just so bad. Yeah, so- it's...
2: It's, here's the, here's the thing is that movie was uh, picked up and uh, I think produced by Canon films and Canon film there's a fascinating documentary about Canon films out there that I recommend people watch but Canon was known for making lower budget at like popcorn movies you know Chuck Norris was like their tentpole actor for much of their films and Somewhere in the midst of all this, Canon decided they wanted to try and go big budget and make a couple of big time movies to sort of get their company to the next step as a production company. And the two films that were chosen were Masters of the Universe and Superman 4.
1: Masters of the Universe probably deserves consideration. Master,
2: well, it's not a comic book movie, so you can't, it's a toy line. Masters of the Universe went way over budget to the point where they had no funding for the finale, which is why it is filmed on a basically dark, empty soundstage with a spotlight. And because there was no budget, and there was really no budget for Superman Four, they they shot on location, like somewhere in Europe, trying to pretend like it's Metropolis. Like like they didn't get anybody of consequence back outside of christopher reeve and i don't know how gene hackman was like no no don't don't cast me in superman 3 but this quest for peace thing i'm down for like i don't know how like money they threw like and and that's not the the movie that got him to retire from acting it was welcome to Mooseport, but but he he kept going it's it's just it's terrible christopher reeve um had a heavy hand unfortunately in the scripting which is where the nuclear war piece came in he was very passionate about this movie it was it was everything you don't want and and it showed and it it just showed that they didn't have any money they were operating on a, a shoestring budget everything about it was bad that's an excellent first choice dave Like that's an excellent choice
1: let's see what you do with my number four so um you know in our top five i had two batman movies but my number four is the worst of the batman movies and that's batman and robin and, and I don't know how you take this cast that you... Oh, higher on... Okay, never mind. Wow. I thought I was being original there.
2: No, you know, it surprises me that... Um, it doesn't surprise me because we'll, we'll get to it later. It's actually much higher on my list too. Like it's, uh, my next movie is another independent comic movie. And, and I guess you could argue... I don't know if you can argue... No, you can't because it, it is based on the comic book here. It's Kick-Ass 2. So, Kick-Ass 1 was fun. Ultra-violent and fun. Kick-Ass 2 is not fun and cast Jim Carrey. Or not... Yeah, and cast Jim Carrey. It's awful. It's it's everything bad about filmmaking. It's just... It's over the top. It's stupid. It gets lost in itself. It loses its faithfulness to the material. And it's it's a complete waste of time. And so... For me I I remember being like I liked Kick-Ass 1 and, and I like I liked the idea of watching the sequel and then it and then I watched it and was like never mind. So that was that's my number 4. Have you seen Kick-Ass 2? I
1: don't, I don't think I've seen Kick-Ass 2. I I love the first one, but I don't think I, I, ever I got to the second. One. That's that's good cuz
2: that means we can quickly move into my number 3 which is Spider-Man 3 the horribly put together Sam Raimi led finale in what in a movie that just illustrates what happens when there's too many cooks in the kitchen and nobody wins Sam, Sam Raimi wanted to do a Spider-Man 3 movie with the vulture as the primary villain that didn't happen studio demanded Venom put in the movie and so we got the most poorly cast eddie brock in history with topher grace as eddie brock who plays the venom character again In another evidence of rubber suit awfulness venom looks hideous in the rubber suit you had thomas hayden church who didn't want to play sandman unless we could have sandman have some sort of tragic backstory as to why he's a criminal and he's then retro, he's retconned to be responsible for Uncle Ben's death, but he's not really un- responsible for Uncle Ben. It's it's awful, and that is before we even get to emo Spidey, and yeah. and quote unquote dark Spidey, the Spider Man dance routine. It's everything's bad, so much so that it gets parodied at every opportunity, even within Spider Man No Way Home, Spider Man Into the Spider Verse parodies it like it's it's horrible it's bad and everybody behind that movie makes fun of it and regrets doing it
1: bully Maguire, man i mean that's just uh, right. there's so many things wrong with just peter's portrayal in that whole movie it just ah uh, terrible yeah I, I i mean it's it's not i mean yeah it's bad yeah it's, <laughs> it's bad just, it's bad we're so, there my number three, kind of similar to Infinity War Endgame, these are kind of two movies that I'm lumping together as one because it's X-Men 3 The Last Stand and Dark Phoenix. And the reason I'm lumping these two together, okay, it's not higher on your list, is because Simon Kinberg had two shots, two, to tell the <laughs> Dark Phoenix saga. And, and, and what's worse about it is after you know Days of Future Past kind of retconned and got rid of the dumb storyline from X3, He even said, hey, we want to do we want to retell this and be more true to the original source material. And then you get Dark Phoenix, which is nowhere near the source material. Right. And just it it just I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It's like, dude, you had two shots at this. You even knew how you screwed up the first time and you went and screwed up even worse the second time. It to me, It's a problem because you take one of the greatest comic book arcs of all time. You have two shots at it and you same guy. Fails miserably both times. I, I just, I don't, you know, I have nothing, man. It's just, it's so disappointing on so many levels that you couldn't get it right, you know, and you had I mean, just yeah, it's it's just bad. At Dark Phoenix and, and I mean, Last Stand, you could almost get away with some, look the other way at a few things in that. At least Colossus was in there, or Cyclops right, right. Me, and had a key role. Yeah, he got killed by her, which is dumb and Wolverine has nothing to do with killing Jean Grey in the original one, but They're nowhere to be found in Dark Phoenix. I mean, no, Scott Summers is there, but he's negligible. So I just, when you take an arc like that and you shit the bed twice with the same guy, that's a problem. So yeah, Dark Phoenix and Last Dan, whatever you want to call it, they're number three for me.
2: Absolutely. I I actually am more angry at X3 than I am Dark Phoenix. Uh, X3 pisses me off to no end because they kill Cyclops and Xavier, Like, boom, boom, boom. It's just like, okay, you're dead. And it's like, the fuck? Uh, And it's just really poorly done. Uh, Hated it, hated it. And I saw that in the theater in Honolulu. Um, I I will never forget that. I was with my my friend Jerry, and Mrs. O'Dowd was with me, and his wife, and we all, our last night in Hawaii, went and saw that. And I remember walking out of it and being like, sorry, guys, that movie was terrible. I'm so mad at it.
1: And it was so disappointing because the first X-Men is great. And X-2 is really pretty good as well. And then, what? You, well, you lost Brian, time, you, lo- you lost your director.
2: That's, that's what happened there. You lost your director. Brian Singer went to go make a bad Superman movie. And that's, that's where Thanks. we are. All
1: right. On to your number two, sir. So my number two and number one, full disclosure, these movies hit two and one because they are like, y- 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 now I have to talk to you about this. It is very rare that I get up and leave a movie. These two are ones that I just couldn't finish because I'm like, this is just dumb. I can't I can't get through these. Uh, number two is Steel, the Shaquille O'Neal portrayal of John <laughs> Henry Irons. I think I've gotten like halfway through and I'm just like, fuck this. This is just ridiculous. And and the acting is so bad. This is Steel is a really cool character. I mean, one of the he ends up being like one of the four Superman after Superman dies in the story arc in, in the death of Superman. So he's one of the ones who kind of comes in there and and becomes one of Superman's Closest allies, actually. And then they try and do this movie that's loosely based on that. And it just fails on every level possible that, yeah, halfway through and Shaq can't act. We all know that.
2: No, it was great. Blue
1: chips. Yeah. okay, but it's a bad casting decision in, in a equally bad movie that just misses the mark every single way possible. Yeah, I just like, I can't do this anymore. Here's (laughs) what's
2: hilarious, Dave. I'm not going to contribute to this conversation because I saw the trailers and was like, no. Like, kudos to you for going to the theater. Like, damn, man. man.
1: Oh, oh, you said you walked out. You said you walked out.
2: When well, you said you walked out, I took that to mean you walked out of a movie theater. No, no,
1: theater. I, I've never walked out of a theater. Closest I came was like uh, the second Jurassic World thing where I, it was like, this is just ridiculous. Yeah,
2: for, um, me, it but, was the, for me, it was the Crow City of Angels, know I
1: walked out of my living room when it was on playing on video, or actually, I just stopped it <laughs> and left. Fair. That sort fair. of thing. It's it's bad. It's really I, bad.
2: I hear you. All right. Well, now we get to talk about your number two, uh, or my number two, which was your, I think, number four. And that's Batman and Robin. Uh, you started to talk about it. So, Batman Batman Returns, the Tim Burton films, generally well-received. Batman Returns was less well-received, caused Burton to lose the directing responsibilities uh, on the franchise, so he didn't get to finish his trilogy, which is a, a habit with Batman films. So then we turned it over to, I can't remember his name. Uh, Joel Schumacher. Schumacher, that's right, Joel Schumacher, who... Changed the entire tone and look of the production. Went more campy. Put nipples on the bat suit, which who cares? Um, did all this sort of. It, it went. We went Goofy Town, and Batman and Robin, where we introduced Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl. We have Chris O'Donnell re- reprising his role as Robin. We have Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mister Freeze. And Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy and Unknown Wrestler as Mindless Character Bane because they didn't know what to do with the Bane character. It was terrible. It was just terrible. Um it was, I, I don't even know where to begin with like how it just was poorly written, it was poorly scripted, it was dumb, the jokes were dumb, everything about it was bad. I don't know that there was one redeeming quality from that film. They didn't even have a good accompanying song. At least you got Kiss from a Rose out of Batman Forever. You didn't even get that out of Batman and Robin.
1: It's, I mean, and when you think about that cast you just named. Yeah, there's some heavy hitters. You shouldn't fail with a cast.
2: George Clooney. I forgot Clooney was Batman.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I've always said Clooney was a terrible Batman. I liked him. as He carried Bruce Wayne pretty well, I thought, as far as his portrayal of Bruce Wayne. but A dreadful Batman. But yeah, I mean, Alicia Silverstone out of place. They tried to shoehorn Batgirl into this whole thing. Uh, Robin took a major step back from, he, from being kind of cool in Batman Forever to just like whiny emo. I'm nipping at your heels and and trying to kind of branch out on my own and show my own independence at the wrong time sort of right. thing. Um, yeah. And Arnold as as, as Mr. Freeze, god-awful. But I think, yeah, for me, Bane is just the most unforgivable sin about that movie, because Bane is one of Batman's greatest villains. And when you look at how he's portrayed in Dark Knight Rises, and Tom Hardy's portrayal is not perfect, let's not kid ourselves, but it's eons beyond what you got from steroid-venom-induced Bane who says nothing and just pumps up and, and is such an like a footnote to the whole damn movie that it's just, it's a travesty. So yeah, I I had it, I had it too low.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's a muscle thug. That's, that's really what they reduced him to. So no argument there. My number one, I'm surprised. Maybe, maybe we have a joint number one. Maybe we have a shared number one. Um, This is a movie where I nearly walked out of the theater. I did go see it at the theater because I, it's a sequel and it's original. I was like, It's not great, but I've seen worse. And then I went and saw Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer.
1: Okay. Fantastic Four is my number one, but it's not this one. It's the twenty fifth. Oh, it's the
2: Josh Trank remake. Okay. Galactus was a cloud. Um that like Galactus was a cloud. Here's the thing. They they nailed The voice of the Silver Surfer with Lawrence Fishburne, like that was
1: beautiful. Surfer redeems this to not being a good movie. Don't get me wrong, but no, he doesn't. Worst ones.
2: It's it's stupid and dumb. Uh, But the Galactus like making big holes and like it's terrible. The the Fantastic Four wedding, it's terrible. All of it's bad. And I'm so glad that Chris Evans got a second chance at Marvel movies after after doing those two because I I, I remember when they cast him and I was like, oh, he's gonna be Captain America. That sucks. Uh, well, it shows what I know because he he pulled it off very very well, and uh, I'm I'm happy for him. It's a long way from not another teen movie and Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer, which audiences got dumber from having watched that movie. It was so bad. So. That's it for me and your number one. Talk about Josh Trank and that ill-advised, I didn't even watch it because it looked so horrible and saved it from being on my list so bad.
1: I still have never finished this movie. I still like it because I just, I can't do it because it's just like, you know, whatever you want to say about the original Fantastic Four and, and the sequel uh, with the Silver Surfer, there, there are moments of that that, that that you can redeem a little bit here and there. But this one, no. And and I'm not even talking about the decision to make you know to make like Johnny Storm you know to make him black in this one because who cares about that? It's just like the story doesn't make any sense. The origin story is just it just they they just veer so badly and it's similar to Dark Phoenix where you've got another shot at, at doing this movie from one of the most beloved franchises in Marveldom, and they get it even more wrong than the first time like. Dr. Doom doesn't show up, or, or Victor Von Doom doesn't show up till like, the last 20 minutes, and then they try and do all this crap with him at the, at the end that doesn't make a damn bit of sense. It's just, it's one of those movies that I was like, I can't... I think the disappointment factor from knowing that they had another shot at it and then just failing again, similar to Dark Phoenix, failing again that miserably, well, and just none of it making sense. Bad um,
2: casting follows that one yeah. as well, because, I'm sorry, Miles Taylor is not... Like, you're not... Oh, that's I... not... That's not Mr. Fantastic. I'm sorry. It's just not... No. no like, not. I don't... It... What they tried to do is they tried to do the Ultimate Fantastic Four route with the young Reed Richards, and... One, the Ultimate Fantastic Four of the Ultimate, like, comics is not very good in its own right. uh' nobody talks about Ultimate... Actually, some of the Ultimate titles in general, just... Ultimate Avengers, I got some real problems. The Ultimates, if you... Like...
1: I was going to say, if he was Franklin Richards, I could understand that a little bit better. But maybe not Reed Richards.
2: But but that's that's like four, you know, Fantastic Four movies down the road. So you just there, there's too much there. It's it's awful. I know it didn't do well at all in the theaters. It didn't do well. I mean, it did okay for a superhero movie, I guess. Made like a dollar. But uh,
1: but the problem is that my number one and your number one. And, and that whole series, you know, that's you get guys steak that, bit man. Yeah. And you get like, a, a, you know, with all due respect to Christopher Platt, I know I've talked to him before. He's been like, why are they going to make another Fantastic Four movie? It's like because Marvel hasn't done it yet. You know, the MCU hasn't right. done it yet. They think they, they can do it better. But everybody's going to go into that skeptical because of what's happened in the past. And, and that sucks. Right. But
2: we'll have to wait and see what what Marvel Ultimately, it when it when it shows up because that's the other thing is you know they, they say it's it's like the Blade movie like Blade's coming okay and we're starting to catch a little bit of rehearsal ollie but like Blade's coming okay we're waiting we're waiting come on Blade we're waiting um, but no so there you have it everyone the Fantastic Four sweeping the worst comic book movie category for us and Dave you have now completed your first five by five congratulations. I'm sure we will be doing more of these down the road at some point. I can't imagine that I won't have you back unless you hated the experience. If you hated the experience, tell me now. Oh,
1: no, it was fun. I think I actually liked the discussion on the worst ones uh, because that, that I think had more depth to it because well, stuff we didn't even talk about that. So, so this really format
2: this format has been an ever evolving thing as I've as I've put the show together. Originally, I interwove best and worst. So like you would do your number five best and then you would do your number five worst and all. and it was just really clunky. It didn't work. Ray Cash can agree with that. Then I decided to do all best or all worst first and kind of finish on a high note. And uh, I got some feedback from Mr. DeMarco. He was like, try it the other way around because the worst is what you want people to wait for. And so that's what the this, this round of recording and, and what we've been doing in the last few episodes has been seeing how we feel about that. I kind of like it. I like ending with some of the worst and and it's, it's been a lot of fun. So you're definitely going to be back. I I know you're going to be back. I I know you and I have a pretty good rapport recording together. So I can't imagine that that won't go sideways before you get out of here though. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on the chair shot radio network and in the interwebs.
1: Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude A-G-G, and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Regression. And of course, you can find me Monday mornings with Patrick O'Dowd, Aesop Mitchell, PC Tony, sometimes Ray Cash, sometimes Chris Platt, Bandwagon Nerds, and Chair Shot Radio Hockey Talk. We're getting down to the playoffs, man. Your team's good. My team, not so much. It all depends on when this recording drops as to whether or not my team's still good and...
2: And Dave's is not, as we're recording these in bulk. So as of May 15th, or April 15th, my team is doing well in the hockey talk. We may be doing we may be doing musical chairs by the time this thing drops. Who knows? That's true. That's it's true. all out there. I'm ready to make a new playlist. I'm excited for this. I found the old playlist uh, and, and was going through it the other day. I had it saved on a Word document when I was moving stuff over, so... Um, you can find me out there on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-I-L-S-T. Um, let's try that again. W R E W R W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. Easy for me to say. You can catch me. Monday and Tuesday with Dave, as he mentioned before. You can also catch me on Wednesdays on the Chairshot Radio Network with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales on the Greg DeMarco Show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That is going to do it uh, for this week's edition of the 5x5. Hope you all enjoyed the list, and we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the 5x5 here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com.
0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.